Let's try that again. Good morning. That's what I'm talking about. Well, good to see you this morning. You guys sit back, relax, enjoy this song, a little Josh Turner song for you. Nobody gonna come between me and God. They will live together where the angels are in God. Early in the morning, talking over me and God. Early at night, talking over me. Thousand in the covered arena fund so far. Give it up. 
Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for what you've uh, already given. Uh, Calvary Couture, which is our women's Bible study. If you didn't get one of the uh, handouts this morning, uh, see my wife. She's right over here in the uh, denim jacket right here. Uh, she will give you a handout for our Wednesday night Calvary Couture women's Bible study. They're, they're studying the book of Esther, and uh, it's every Wednesday night at 630 at the bank on 7th and Texas. Also, this Saturday is a wedding shower for Darren Miller and Brandy Pearson from 2 to 4 at the bank on 7th and Texas. So if you want to be a part of that or you want to help out with that, just come. Uh, you know, obviously come at, at the bank at, from 2 to 4. Uh, if you have uh, questions, um, you can talk to my wife um, or Karen. You can talk to Karen right up here. Wave your hand, Karen. She's in charge of our shower committee, and uh, she will help you out there. Um, what else? Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Praise the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. We get to, ser- we get to celebrate our risen Savior. I can show you where all the bones are to all the other so-called gods that people serve. But when you go to the tomb in Jerusalem, guess what? It's empty. Amen? It's empty. I've been there. I've been to Jerusalem. I spent 10 weeks in Jerusalem seeing the tomb. It is empty. And so we're going to get to celebrate that this next Sunday. Now, here's the deal. We are meeting at the Chain Ranch, okay? Now, all of this could change if it's blowing 60 miles an hour, okay? If the wind is blowing 60 miles an hour, here's the plan. I don't have a plan. (laughs) All I know is you can't hide Easter eggs in cow poo at a cell barn because it just doesn't work for kids, okay? So here's what – actually, I do kind of have a plan. You, do you remember where we met before at the, the county fair barn in that east barn? Well, we're going to, if we need to, we are going to rent that barn and have our Easter service in the barn uh, there at the fairgrounds, okay, at the fair barns in that east barn. Uh, if you're on Facebook, we have a Facebook page. You can see that announcement as we make that announcement. If you want to call us, uh, my information will be on the screen at the end of the service, and uh, you can call me and ask me what we're doing. But if the weather's bad, that's where we'll have our service. We'll have it in the big barn on the east side of the fair barns, okay? Does that make sense? But we're planning on having it at the Chain Ranch, which is only like five or six miles north of here on Highway 34. You'll see a sign that says Chain Ranch. We'll have some guys probably standing out there, and they will. you'll go west a couple miles, and then we will guide you through to the river. We're going to have our church service on the river. Uh, we're going to have music and everything out there. And then we'll have a potluck lunch. As soon as we're done, either way, whether we're meeting at the, the fair barn or, eat, or eating at uh, the chain ranch, we'll have a potluck lunch, and then we'll have an Easter egg hunt following that. Now, let me, let me announce this. If you have a horse and you want to bring your horse, at 830 that morning, if, out at the chain ranch, we are going to gather the longhorns. We've got over 100 longhorns. If you have a horse, uh, <laughs> bring your horse. If you've not ridden your horse in a while, warm it up before you come, or... Or don't, and I'll get my video camera out. We'll video you getting yard darted, uh, which would be kind of fun, but for me, I'll probably be the one who gets yard darted, right? My horse is going to be the one that busts me off that morning. Um, but come bring your horses at 8.30. You can help gather the longhorns. We're going to just kind of gather them up across the river with them and, and have a good time there. Um, we need Easter eggs, I think, still. Is, is Debbie in here? Where's Debbie? Debbie, do we need Easter eggs, or how are we doing? Okay, we're just under 2,000 eggs, so if you want to buy some Easter eggs, you better buy them tomorrow, because most people are going to buy them at the last minute, and there won't be any left. If you can bring those Easter eggs already filled, you can bring them that morning, or you can you know, get a hold of Debbie Green. Uh, you can find her after the service and tell her that you're bringing some. That'd be great, but we do need Easter eggs for our Easter egg hunt. And here's the last thing, and this is the most important thing. If we meet at the Chain Ranch, you need a chair. <laughs> or a blanket or whatever you want to sit on. But if you don't bring a chair, you're, you're going to be sitting on the ground. Or you can sit on your horse. If you have your horse there, you can sit on your horse. If we meet at the fair barn, we will have chairs, okay? They will supply the chairs, all right? So just kind of be, um, be ready for any of that. And again, check your email. If we have your email address, check Facebook or call us, and we will get you that information. All right, anything else? All right, let's stand together. You guys greet somebody. Shake somebody's hand that you don't know.
Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for just another day that you've given us, God, and just for the privilege and freedom that we have just to be at a public place, God, and just worship you um, as much as we choose, God. And I just pray um, for every person in this room, Lord, that you'll just help them throughout this week, God, and that um, whatever problems or troubles that they're going through right now, God, that you'll just answer their prayers, Lord, and just let them know what path to take. God, I just pray that you'll be with those who get this message today, Lord, and you'll just um, give them the wisdom and the words to say what you want everyone in this room to know, God, in order to apply it to their lives. And I just pray that um, you'll be with us throughout this week. Amen. At this time, all the children can make their way downstairs to Children's Church. glad to be here? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. <clears throat> Let's give the Lord a hand. Isn't he good? I always enjoy the music. I, I know these guys don't get enough praise, but they do a great job. Uh, these band members, they come, they practice, they, they give time, and they're just amazing, aren't they? I would like to think that you come for the preaching, but I know you come for the singing, right? <laughs> um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's how you remember. Maybe. I don't know. It's no big deal, Simon. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, hopefully you had a great weekend. Um, we uh, had a wedding yesterday. Is Joey and uh, Stephanie in the house today? Oh, man, it's, it's not like it's their honeymoon or something. Um, Joey and Stephanie Wilson uh, got hitched yesterday, and so we were excited about that. Um, just had a great weekend. I, I'm ready for the uh, the old wind to stop blowing. Amen? Amen. Woo! I prayed for rain last week, didn't I? Anybody get a sprinkle? Like two drops on your windshield, maybe? Oh, see, God answers prayer. That's what I'm saying. I should have prayed for, like, you know, toads drowning, you know, water, right? Uh, maybe I'll do that today um, at the end of this deal. But hopefully you've had a great weekend in spite of the, you know, the wind and all that stuff. Um, I know I've had a great week, and looking forward to this week. Hopefully God uh, will use you, speak to your heart today, and give you something that maybe you can apply to uh, this week, all right? Well, here's the deal. How many guys have met? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to point the people out, but um, if you're a guest with us this morning, um, <clears throat> you may not know kind of what our church is about, and uh, this morning you're going to get a little more of a taste of what we're kind of about. Um I'll just say it this way. A lot of people don't come to church because they don't want to hear the truth, right? I mean, sometimes people don't come to church because they don't hear the truth. Well, here's the opposite of that. A lot of people don't come to church because they don't hear the truth. Ever thought about that? A lot of uh, pastors or churches, they just blow smoke under your dress. And they want to, you know, give you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear, right? I mean, a lot of times, and, and I, I have some good friends, and a lot of times, you know, I mean, my mom, she, God bless her, she's always, you know, my best, you know, supporter, no matter what I've done. She, she always said our kid, her boys were always perfect, right? I mean, when we were growing up, she said, my son's perfect, and all she didn't know is my horns hold up my halo, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I couldn't do any wrong, and she would always tell me, you're just the number, you know, 10 on a scale of 1 to 10. You're the best-looking kid in school, and I mean, she just 
fed me a bunch of stuff, but it probably half of it wasn't true. You know what I'm saying? She's trying to build my ego, but half of it wasn't true. Well, I would rather hear the truth than for someone just to blow smoke under my skirt. You know what I'm saying? Even though I don't wear skirts, right? I was going to say up my butt, but I didn't want to say that. <clears throat> but here's the deal. We are, at Thousand Hills Ranch Church, we are committed to speaking the truth in love. If you don't want to hear the truth, go somewhere else. Because you're going to get to hear the truth. Now, here's the deal. I love you. I love this church. I love everybody that's here today. This message today is not... Uh, it's not pointing at anybody in the audience. It's, I, I, the great thing about the sermon that I'm going to preach today is this. We don't have a problem with what I'm going to talk about. And so it's a great time to address it because we don't have a problem, right? Well, here's the deal. We are going today, we are going cow tipping. Okay? Cow tipping. Anybody ever been cow tipping? Okay. You guys have been cow tipping. All right, please come on in here. Come on in. You, these, these guys are the ones that have cow tipping. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we just sold you out. Um, but anyway, so I, I've never been cow tipping. And uh, I, I kind of want to go, is it like snipe hunting now? I think it is. I think people are just kind of blow, again, smoke up your butt and tell you that cow tipping is for real. But it's not for real as far as I can tell. I'm not even going to go do it. I told the band this morning, we ought to go cow tipping. I mean, we're going to dress in black. If, we, if you see somebody, you know, running across the pasture, you know, trying to get to your cows, it's just us. Okay? It's just us. Uh, we want to just test this for, a, you know, a sermon's sake, okay? But, but cow tipping, if you've never been cow tipping, it's the, it's the idea of going out into a pasture in the dark, and you're out there in this pasture, and you walk up to this cow who may be asleep and may not be asleep, and they're standing up, and you push them over, and they fall to the ground. That's cow tipping, right? Well, again, I've never been, but I would like to experience it. We may even get it on video. We may even show it. It might be kind of fun. If we can pull that off, that'd be amazing, right? Well, here's the deal. So many churches have sacred cows. And lots of churches have sacred cows. And you say, well, what's a sacred cow? A, a sacred cow, first of all, it's a lot of things that a pastor is afraid to talk about, right? He's afraid to talk about, but as you have maybe figured out, I'm not afraid to talk about those sacred cows. You know, sacred cows are things that, here, here's my definition. Sacred cows are things that are not based on God's truth, but are messed up understanding of what's right or wrong. You get that? The sacred cows in the church, they're not based on truth. They're more based on tradition. You ever heard that word? They're based on tradition. They're based on things that maybe aren't truth, but it's just the way that we what? Always done it. And they can be things that we do. They can be things that we don't do. Let me give you a for instance. You can't dance. By golly, you better not dance. Well, we already broke that sacred cow, didn't we? <laughs> to our dance, we had a heck of a time. We had a good old time dancing. And then and, and here's some things that we're going to talk about, maybe for the next few weeks. You can't drink a glass of wine at dinner. That's a sacred cow. You better not do that. If you call yourself a Christian, you better not do that. That's a sacred cow that, that, that we might go with. By golly, you better not have a tattoo. Man, that would be of the devil. I think you're going to hell if you have a tattoo. I'm just playing. I am just playing. But that's what people say. A lot of churches, you know, they believe that. And again, it's not based on God's truth. It's just based on our mis messed up understanding of what's right and what's wrong. What about you better not sing that secular song in church? Sacred cow. We've already broken that one, too. I, I kind of enjoy that one. And you say, well, why do you sing secular songs in church? Here's why. Because the last time I checked, a lot of lost people weren't coming to church because it was boring and they couldn't relate. And so if we can sing a song by Josh Turner that they know that's on the radio and they walk in and they can relate to us, we just draw them right in. Heck yeah. We're going to draw them right in. Now are we going to compromise the truth and sing like, there's a tear in my beer because I'm crying. We're not going to compromise the truth, are we? 
not going to do that. But we are going to do something that a lost person or an unchurched person can maybe relate to, and then we're going to draw them right in so they can find Jesus. Amen? Well, here's another one, you, and this is a sacred cow. You better not talk about money, because if you talk about money, everybody's going to leave. Well, guess what? I'm going to talk about money. Not today, but later on. You can't preach about hell because hell is manipulative. You're going to just scare people into the, you know, into heaven. Listen, I'm not afraid to talk about hell. Because you know why? Because hell's a real place. It's in the Word. We're not going to, we're not going to just discount that. You can't listen to rock and roll. Remember back in the day when a lot of churches like, you better not listen to rock and roll. That's devil's music. If you play a certain chord, like a minor chord on your guitar or on your piano, that's the devil's music. I'm tempted to write a, uh, a praise song in all minor chords. <laughs> we'll see what they do about that. And here's the, here's the last one, playing cards. Oh, you know, better not be playing cards. By golly. You folks are on Saturday, church on Sunday, you better not be. I think we sang a song about that. Yeah, that's a boondock. Um, well, here's the deal. For some churches... You know, again, and this is something we don't struggle with, but we could potentially struggle with. You know, some churches, we can't take the pews out because the pews have always been there. It's what we've always had. We can't, we can't make any changes because that's the way we've always done it. Listen. Listen to me as a pastor who loves this church and who loves you. I pledge to you to always embrace change as long as it's necessary to reach the unchurched Western culture around us. I will always embrace change. We will always embrace change if it's for the sake of reaching the lost. And you say, well, I hate change. I hate the, you know, why are you catering so much to the culture? You know, listen, I'm not catering to the culture. I'm catering to the word of God. Amen? The message of the word of God should never change, but the message of reaching people in our culture must change. And so if you want to make a sacred cow in this church, might be a good time for you to leave. We need your seed anyway. Did I just say that in love? Is that okay? <laughs> if you don't like change, if you don't want to reach the lost, there are a ton of churches you can go to. And they will love you, and they will serve you. But here's the deal. I will not sacrifice reaching the lost culture around us for the sake, for the sake of a Christian's preference. We've sacrificed the next generation and the next generation on the altar of our preferences for far too long. And we won't do it anymore. If I have to tear down the sacred cow that you build, I will tear it down. You think you own the church? You're going to not own this church because the, the God of the universe owns this church. Listen, I, I don't care if you're a millionaire. I don't care if you're the biggest business owner in Northwest Oklahoma. I don't care. I'm not here to please anybody. I don't know who gives what. I don't know if you give $5 or if you give a million dollars, but listen, it don't matter. It don't matter because we're not going to cater to our preferences. We're going to cater God's word. Okay? So that's my intro. <laughs> now, here's the sacred cow that we're going to deal with today. Are you ready for this? Are you taking notes? This would be a great message to take notes with. I'm going to supply you with like maybe a notepad when you walk in and a pen every Sunday. Okay, one of the sacred cows that seems to always be in the church or actually that is void, excuse me, that is void in most churches is this. Church Discipline. Holy crap. What did he just say? I said church discipline. Church discipline. If you'll turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now here's the thing. We are talking about church discipline today because I said, as I said before, we don't have a problem with it. We don't. We don't have a problem going on right now, and it's a great time to address something when the pro before the problem actually begins, right? And so if you know where we stand, then you will be better able to 
go with what the vision of this church is. And you say, well, church discipline, you can't do that. You, I mean, again, you can't judge anybody. You, you can't kick a person out of the church. You can't get rid of him or her. You might lose them if they, if you tell them that they're sinning, then you might lose them. Listen, I'm not afraid to lose anybody. I'm not afraid to lose anybody for the sake of the church and for the sake of God's word. How are we supposed to do church discipline? Here's the key. In love. In, with, a, with a restorating heart. If I go to you and, and we practice church discipline, we're going to explain what it is in just a minute. We are going to do it in love. With the idea of restoring somebody back into the fellowship. And so here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Follow along as I read it. <coughs> it's, and, and this is going to fool you. But listen to what it says. It is actually reported. Paul's talking here. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexually, sexual immorality among you. By the way, we're not going to talk about sex. We already talked about that like, you know, in February. But this is the, the idea behind this is what we're going to talk about. So it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. A man has his father's wife. And you are proud. Shouldn't you rather be filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. And I have already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. Verse 4. It says, when you were assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and the spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Wow, what a scripture, right? Verse 6. You are boast, your boasting is not good. Do, not, do you not know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, as a Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, but the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Verse 9. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now, here's a key verse. Listen to this. Not at all, meaning people of this world who are immoral or greedy. Or, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or the idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the, this world. But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, in other words, a Christian, but is sexually immoral, or greedy, or idolater, or a slanderer, or a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. Verse 12, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are we not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Holy moly. What a verse. Now you say, oh, I can't wait to see how the pastor's going to unpack this verse. Well, we're going to unpack it, okay? Now here's the deal. Here's my first point. <clears throat> if you're taking notes. Number one, it's okay to judge. It's okay to judge. And you say, well, no, it's not. I mean, Matthew 7, 1, and I think it'll be up there. Matthew 7, 1, it, it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Guess what? There is a misconception out there that we as Christians cannot judge. And, and, and we get it from this verse right here. But listen, this type of judgment that this is talking about, it's the negative, hypocritical, self-righteous judgment that is used to tear down others in, all, in order to build ourselves up. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about the negative statements that attack one's character and spread gossip. That's what's forbidden. Stuff like, oh, did you see how she was dressed? Oh, man. She's not. Buy that new Julie pickup and that new house house trailer. By golly, 
they, they shouldn't have done that. That's what this is talking about. Or, you know what? He's so prideful. She's so vain. I can't believe they act that way. That's the judgment that they're referring to. Or, she's divorced. What a loser. I, mean, I can't believe it. I mean, you hear it among teenagers just cutting people down, judging people all the time. That's what this is talking against. The negative statements that we make that attack people's character. Now, here's the deal. There are a couple things. I said it's okay to judge. There are a couple things that we can't judge. Here's number one. We can't judge somebody's motives. We can't judge somebody's motives. You know why? Because I don't know your heart. If you say something to me and I go, that's not what you meant, you have an agenda. I can't do that. I don't know your heart. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, I think it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, God will judge your motives. Listen to it. God will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. I cannot judge your motives. I can judge actions, but I cannot judge somebody's motives. Here's the second thing that we can never judge. Someone's eternity. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, who am I to say you're not going to heaven? If I was to ever say, you know what? You're, I mean, that, that person, the way they're acting, they're probably not going to heaven. That would be absolutely wrong. You know why? Because God is the ultimate judge of our eternity. For me to make a statement that says you are not going to heaven, I can't do it. I can't judge in that. I can't judge somebody's motives, and I can't judge someone's eternity. But as Christians, we are to exercise a righteous kind of judgment with careful discernment. Listen, Paul does it. He does it as we'll see in just a minute. So point number one, it's okay to judge some things. It's okay. Now here's number two, and this is the most important thing. You ready? Listen, because this is where, this is where uh, maybe we've got a misconception. Our judgment is meant for the church. Our judgment is meant for the church. Do you get that? Here's the problem that many churches have. We've gotten so good about judging people outside the church. I mean, look at them outside the church. They don't go to church. I mean, they must be heathens. I mean, we judge people all the time. Oh, they, look at them. They do all that. They do all this stuff. Look at them. Why do they do all that stuff? And we look outside the church, and we judge the world all the time. But you know what? That is absolutely wrong. The judgment as a Christian ought to be the judgment inside the church. It's judgment against Christian against Christian. And I'm not, not really against Christian, but it's the judgment that I ought to be able to make to my Christian brother in Christ, in love. And we're going to talk about that. Jesus himself did not come to judge the world, but to save it. John 3, 17, look at it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. But to save it, our judgment is meant for the church, not the world. Do you get it? And that's important to understand. Because when we walk out of this place, don't hear me saying, it's okay to judge the world. No, it's not. You know what it's okay to do? Judge ourselves. It's okay to judge ourselves. Here's the scenario. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. If someone claims to be a Christian, listen to this. If someone claims to be a Christian and they're living, listen, in complete unrepentant contradiction to God's word, then we as a church, again, they're a Christian, we as a church are, are to use God's word as our guide in an effort to restore them. If they don't repent, guess what we're, we're called to do? Kick them out. That's what the word says. Right? And again, I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you if you're a Christian. That's what we're called to do. Paul did it. Did you hear it in the scripture? I mean, here's a guy sleeping with his stepmom. And the church is proud. The church is like, no big deal. I mean, this dude's sleeping with his stepmom. That's no big deal. And they're proud. And Paul says, you know what? You ought to be grieved. You ought to be grieved. And you ought to be sick over the sin. If this man claims to know Jesus but doesn't show any grief or, and repent, then he needs to be thrown out. Look at verse 3, uh, back in 1 Corinthians uh, 
chapter 5. Go back to those, those verses. Verse 3, Paul passes judgment himself. Listen to it. Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. I have already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. Do you hear it? I mean, Paul himself, in verse 3, passes judgment on this man who is sleeping with his stepmom and feels no remorse. Doesn't feel bad about it. But calls himself a Christian. Listen, Paul says, I will judge him for the sake of the purity of the church. You've been to churches. Listen, and here, here's the key. You've been to churches where there is one person in the church that thinks they own the church, right? You've been there. You've been there where it's just a group of people that, that won't let anybody in. You've been there. I've been there. Listen, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about passing judgment on the people that are keeping the church from growing. Listen, if you're a blatant gossip and you like to gossip about everybody, we are going to practice church discipline on you. I'm just telling you, if you are a gossip and you want to just share stuff around about people, we're, if we find out and it's publicly affecting our church, we are going to practice church discipline on you because we don't want to keep lost people from coming to know Christ because of you. Listen, if you call yourself a Christian and you're in leadership in our church and you're having an affair or you're getting drunk, getting smashed on Friday night and you call yourself a Christian, we are going to practice church discipline on you. Now listen, I'm not talking about the lost. I'm talking about church people. Get that. That's the key to this whole message. We are to judge ourselves. We are to judge in the church, not in the world. Listen, the sad part about a lot of churches is they're, is they're afraid to talk about this. I mean, they just let that one person run everybody off, and then nobody comes to the church anymore because that person, they're just so scared. I mean, the, the church is scared. We can't tell that person to stop. I mean, they gave all the money. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going blows to our church. You know what I'm saying? If, if there's somebody that wants to destroy my church, we're going to blows in the love of Jesus. Amen? I might slap them in the love of Jesus. Now listen, and you guys are, you're thinking, well, this is real serious. And it is serious, but thank God we don't have this problem. Amen? Thank God we don't have this problem. And if I can preach about it and you can hear about it, it might keep you from being the person that we have to practice church discipline on. Now look at verse 6 again, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, your boasting is not good. And again, it's in the church. Do you not know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has, sat, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. You know what Paul's saying there? He's saying, out with the bad, in with the good. Out with the bad, in with the good. For the sake of the church, now listen, I have a little puppy that Miss Dawn gave my family. That dog poops everywhere. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we got the pooper scooper out. That's one thing I didn't miss when my dog died. I had to put my dog down. We're scooping poop. Anybody with me? <laughs> Hate that scooping poop. But here's the deal. If I was to take a little bit, just a little bit, you know, just a little smidge, just a little turd uh, <laughs> of that poop, and I was to mix it in with the brownie mix, you know, in my kitchen, and I was just to mix that in, I mean, wouldn't that, I mean, you would say, that's, oh, it's just a little. I mean, it's just a little. It's not going to affect the whole batch. <laughs> you want me to bring brownies to the potluck lunch and try? <laughs> but listen, here's my point. A, a little bit of a Christian that's living outside of God's will and, and trying to destroy the church can, can mess up the whole church. Right? 
mean, that's the point. It's saying, get the old yeast out. Bring in the new yeast. Bring in the, the good patch of dough. And listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about even the Christian that comes to church like me that struggles with sin but comes repentant. I mean, if you're a Christian and you're struggling with sin and you come and you want repentance, we're here for you. We want you. That's what I deal with. When I sin, I want to be able to come to church and find uh, acceptance and all that stuff. But if I come to church and I was drunk as a pastor on Friday nights and I was drunk, I'm not talking about just drinking a beer. I, if I was drunk on Friday night and I come and I want to preach, you better be practicing church discipline with me. Right? That's what we're called to do. Again, the Bible is referring to persons that call themselves believers but are living in sin and saying, it's all good. I'm greedy. It's all good. I'm just out for money. It's all good. Nobody's going to touch me. Nobody's going to do anything about it. Listen. Look at verses 9 through 13 again. This is, this is the part that, that I, again, I want you to get. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all, listen, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or the idolaters. Guess what? I am, and I am proud to say that I am friends with people that are lost. Many pastors don't ever walk into a bar, they don't ever walk into a place where non-believers are. I mean, what, what, what is Paul saying right here? He's saying, don't leave the world. That's who you're supposed to go into. That's who you're supposed to reach out for. Listen to what else he says. He says, I'm not talking about the world. You, you would have to leave the world if that were the case. But now I am writing you that you must not associate, listen, with anyone who calls himself a brother, who's a Christian, but is sexually immoral, greedy, or idolater, or slanderer, or a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. But uh, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God, listen, God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. outside the church. Wrong. You know who we should judge? Ourselves. Paul says, Paul says, you know, don't worry about judging the world. God's got that covered. You love people in the world. You give them Jesus. You accept them when they walk through your doors. You go and make disciples and I'll handle the judgment of the world. You just handle the judgment in the church. That's what he's saying. Here's an important truth. The principles of God's word, the principles in this book right here are the judge. I am not to make up my own opinion about what you should or should not do and judge you by my opinion. But I can judge you on the principles of God's word. This is the judge, not me. If I can show you in the Word of God how I, you know, you're living in sin and how we need to help you re be restored, that's what I'm called to do. Not judge you based on my own opinion. Now listen, <clears throat> none of us are perfect, but we are called to live a higher standard. As Christians, we're called to live a higher standard. Look at Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen, as Christians, we're called to live a higher standard. We are. You say, well, now I can do whatever I want, and God will still love me. Yeah, he'll still love you, but you won't be blessed. You, you, won't, you won't find the, the love and the forgiveness or the, you know, the grace that, that, that those that are living in accordance to his will find. I mean, does he always love us? Absolutely. But we are called to live at a, high, at a higher standard than the world. And if, listen, if we are living in complete contradiction to God's word and feeling no 
conviction and no need to repent, then as a church, we are called to take action. Again, against other Christians. Are we going to mess up? Am I going to mess up? Absolutely. Do we need to seek forgiveness? Do we need to share with our brothers and, and, and so that they can help us work through that? Absolutely. And that's what we are committed to do. But we can, as, as believers, we can never claim one standard while living the other. That's what destroys the church. It's what destroys the church. And so again, I, I don't know how this, this uh, message has hit you today, but I hope that you will walk out of here and go, I thank God for a pastor who will speak the truth in love for the protection of the church and for reaching the lost. That's what I'm about. And that's what this church is going to be about. It's not about me. It's not about us as Christians. It's about reaching the world and loving the world. And if there's someone in our church that wants to you know, destroy our church, we will practice church discipline on them. That's my pledge. And here's the bad thing about all that. You get to hold me accountable. Now that I've said we're going to practice church discipline if someone's, you know, trying to destroy our church, you get to hold me accountable and say, Bo, it's time. Now, listen, am I going to go and search for all your hidden uh, sins and go, by God, we're coming after you. <laughs> I found out what you were doing. No, we're not. Am I going to be looking for it? Am I, am I looking for someone to kick out? No. But we will know when the time is right. And I thank God for the leaders in our church that are willing to stand beside me and say it's time because something is destroying our church. That's my commitment. I hope that you'll commit with me and that you will pray for our church. That you will not be the person that keeps people from walking in the doors because you have a church preference. If we ever build a church like a building and there's something that we can't get rid of for the sake of bringing others to Christ, I will burn it myself. I'll tear it down. I'll get a sledge and I will tear it down for the sake of reaching the lost.
for. Thank you for Paul, who wrote this scripture so that we could practice godly discernment and careful church discipline in the church. And so thank you so much for that. Listen, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're here today, and you're the Christian that's, that's you know, you claim to know Christ, but you're living in that habitual sin, and you don't feel any remorse. Listen, can I just tell you, God extends his grace to you today. He accepts you just as you are. You don't have to go and clean up. You come to him, and he will clean you up. He will love you no matter what, but it's time to repent. If you're living in blatant, habitual sin and you know it, it's time to repent. It's time to turn away from your sin and turn to God and find true forgiveness. If you're here today and maybe you don't know Christ personally, and you're going, by golly, I, I heard a message today. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Christ personally, this church was built and started for you. And I want to thank you for being here today. If you don't know Christ, listen, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so you can accept Jesus into your heart today. And, and you can ask him to say, you know, just say, I confess you as my Lord today. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I want to be saved. If you will just pray that in your heart and mean it with your heart, you can find that relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have questions about that, if you want more answers, listen, my information is going to be on the screen. You can take my number down or the email address and text me or write me, and we will get in contact with you so that we can show you through God's word how you can come to know Christ. Maybe you're struggling with a marriage or a kid or a, you know whatever's going on in your life. Listen, we are here for you. I am here for you. Call me, text me, email me, and we will set a time for us to get together and visit so that we can help you. That's our commitment to you. Lord, again, I thank you for today. I thank you for all those that have been here today. And I pray that you would give us the guts to protect this church. In love and with restoration in mind, may we practice what you've called us to practice. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. And may God bless the ride that you're on.